Hello everyone. How are you doing? How are you? Uh, welcome to the 14th episode. No, 15th episode. Sorry. Let's um, just call it the latest episode the latest of episode. F&I Rap Chat with uh, <laughs> myself, Paul Butler-Lennox and Mr. Webster. Yes. Uh, so we've got Ailish Kent on with us today. She is uh, a producer. She's worked as a commissioning editor in RTE. She's been a script editor. So very much someone who's been on the receiving end of your, abu- your abuse, of abuse. Uh, uh, for the last <laughs> yeah. uh, 10 or 15 years yeah uh, Eilish has uh, worked and developed uh, a lot of really successful shows one of which being kind of the notable uh, examples would be kind of the Hardy books and uh, so kind of that new new wave of kind of Irish comedy and was very heavily involved in Storyland um, and at the, the inception of Storyland uh, yeah. from kind of like 2009 um, yeah. so very deeply involved also has vast experience in the UK with the, with the Beeb and yeah. one of the things that people were giving us as feedback was they wanted to hear from kind of people on the commissioning side of things you know getting that kind of insight so uh, the first person that kind of came to mind was Ailish and as I mentioned in the interview I, I did a course with her a few years ago about writing for uh, drama for TV and that was the thing it wasn't someone teaching you how to write a script but it was getting that insight that was invaluable into how decisions are made and what you need to do to make your proposal as attractive as possible yeah we'll get to that shortly um, in other news in other news Mia Malarkey one of uh, our one F&I of our, rap chat alumni yes if we go back to episode 2 you can listen to her interview she had great success this week with Diff D-I-F F <laughs> the, the A to the D to yeah. the I to the double F uh, she won two awards she won the Rising Star Award and her film produced by Alice McDowell Mother and Baby won Best Short Film so congrats and if you haven't listened to her episode it's, it's a really good one to go back to episode yeah two. lots of rowing and meditation <laughs> meditation and, and, yeah and mindfulness so it's a yeah. good one I think for everyone to check in on in other news what else is going on uh, yeah there's some a lot of funding kind of deadlines are coming up now there's Filmophily grant is coming up now so keep an eye on that check out the website for that uh, for the short award uh, what else the Dia, the Dunleary Ratdown award as well there's a lot so there's all the loads out there yeah. Filmophily Cork Limerick um, so yeah look them up um, deadlines are kind of staggered kind of starting around the 23rd of March so write a good script which which yeah. segues really nicely to the FNI writing event which is coming up at the end of uh, <laughs> the end of this month and it's on in Generator Smithfield it's over three separate days uh, kind of uh, from 10 to 7 uh, each day uh, it's been facilitated and hosted by um, a guy called Ipwishin uh, Ipwishin <laughs> Ipwinshin yeah I, even I, I like I know the man well but I still struggle uh, to, to pronounce his name properly yeah Ip is uh, an inspirational figure who can he can motivate the shite out of you to go and write any sort of script you want to write so come along uh, f- considering what you're getting as well for a three day workshop it's very affordable and uh, you know feedback from his last class when he came over uh, about six months ago was really overwhelming people seemed to really enjoy the class so get on it like a car bonnet ok we are right. here okay, with so we give you thanks for having me delighted to be here and so we just go back to the start By pure accident, as a lot of people in my generation, I um, I went to UCD, and when I was in UCD, I got really engaged in drama, and I did a master's in modern drama afterwards. 
And I started reading for the Gate Theatre. I had a, actually a great time. I was reading for the Gate Theatre freelance. I was doing tours in the National Gallery and hanging out, trying to do bits of theatre. And then I got a rude awakening from home, which was you need to start paying off your student debts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my great life came crashing to an end. <laughs> and I very luckily got a job in Oxford University Press in Oxford in uh, marketing. So I thought, oh, you're publishing. Interesting. Went off to do that and absolutely hated it. I was um, selling. I used to go to all the book fairs, selling academic sort of, you know, uh, books. And, you know, everybody had sort of singing and dancing stalls. And I had one that just had cloth bound books with different color writing on the edges. And that was about it. So anyway, I wanted to get out of that, thought I'd get back into theatre, something theatre, but needed a job. So I wrote to, I thought I'd be an agent. So I wrote to loads of agencies in London and got a job with a little agency called Montague Associates, where I was representing actors in TV and film and radio ads, whatever, theatre. Um, and they started to try, they were starting up a production company. It was the kind of mid-90s, the early mid-90s. And everybody in London was starting independent production companies. And as scripts were coming in, I started reading them. And I thought, this is really interesting. I really like bing. this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big bing, the, the big bell told her the, the penny drop. Well, not really, because I didn't mm. really know what that was either. Right. So the agency wasn't making any money and uh, I decided I would get a job in television because it seemed to be really interesting. So I wrote to lots of independent production companies and very luckily um, the working titles had come in for a cup of coffee and the head of production there said, you know, Eilish, this is crazy. You should be in development. And I said, well, what's that? Because I had never heard of it. And I knew absolutely nobody in the business. Yeah. Nobody in theatre either. I didn't know anybody in any anywhere. And uh, they sort of foisted me on their uh, development department. And I started reading. And that's really what I did. I read for... Um, I, I ended up in Ken Loach's reader for a couple of years. Um, and actually, I went in for my interview and was being interviewed by one of the assistants in the office. And Ken walked into the room we were in looking for a file or something. And they told me afterwards he just wanted to get a goo and see who... (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? And they gave me um, a test piece uh, to read, which would be kind of common. So the the piece that they gave me was um, a script he was actually writing with Paul Lavery, uh, Laverty, and I didn't know. And it was kind of half. It was just kind of like... You know, 180 pages that had no ending. Right. Uh, sort of, so that was sort of that was my um, that was my introduction. So I was what I was doing was temping in offices by day, yeah. and script reading at night and doing just coverage. Okay. Um, I got to read for the film board. I got to read for the script factory. So I was reading for a lot of people. Yeah. And then I decided I couldn't keep going you know do you know the sort of temping and this sort of reading at night mm-hmm. I needed to get a, a job and I um, knew a guy from home I'm from Sligo and I knew a guy from home Declan Eames who was producing Fair City so I wrote to him and said you know Declan this is what I'm doing there must be something for me like come on give me a job and uh, <laughs> I didn't really hear from him when I was going home for Easter so I decided to come to Dublin 
and I, I said, I'm going to be here, you know, on Friday and coming in kind of thing. So I obviously scared him and he gave me a gig um, on Fair City. Yeah. And I my job was to create the writer's Bible. And I think I had four weeks or six weeks to do it. That was the summer of 95. And I so the the series, the show had been up for, I don't know, probably about 10 years. I think it started in the Uh, 80s, did it? 89, I think. Oh, 89. So anyway, my job was I sat at a desk in a really overheated office. It was a really hot summer. And I had a little television and uh, VHS player, you know, one of those all in one Mm -hmm. combi things (laughs) on one side of the desk. And on the other side, I had a really big, huge desktop computer. And so I had to watch an episode and then create, you know, the the information into a spreadsheet so that it was in some way um, searchable. Yeah. Because up to that point, what had happened was they had allotted the same people working on it for a long time. But as new people came in, they'd get letters from audience saying, you know, Bella's birthday is not the 19th yeah. of June. Bella would it not wear a grey shirt. He doesn't like... Well, right. he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink Carlsberg. You know, uh, he had yeah. an allergic reaction to X, whatever. Okay. So yeah. there was yeah. they needed that consistency. So I did the writer's Bible. And then I think they, they had plans at that stage to go twice a week. Mm-hmm. So it was just once a week. So they were kind of trying to build up their staff and they were trying to hold on to me. So I had for about three months, I'd say, every Friday, I would think... I'm getting a plane back to London because I was London-based still. Yeah. In the morning, and I'd bump into this fabulous person who's uh, dead now, Mike Kelly in RTE, and he'd say, oh, Eilish, I've sorted you out another week or two. And I'd go, <laughs> great. So I was having a great time. It was a great summer. Yeah. And then I went back to London, and um, a while later, and back to my reading and stuff, RTE asked me to come back over and do some, get through kind of their slush stuff that was in um, the independent productions well it actually wasn't it was um oh god i've forgotten his name anyway it was it was a head of programs office and while i was doing that a job was advertised in bbc northern ireland for a script ed and so i applied for that and i got it and i moved to belfast and worked in bbc for a few years and what i was doing up there was uh picking up irish content for the network so it was kind of the glory days of bbc northern ireland okay and we had with us like Bally Cassangel yeah. falling for a dancer amongst women, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And really, the you know Irish content was very hot. Conor McPherson was huge in London. Right. You know, it was a lot of stuff going on, so yeah. it was easy to sell Irish content. Right. And were you looking for talent at that time? Yeah, that, I was. Yeah. I was. So I was. Um, I would be approaching sort of writers and up and coming writers and developing projects with them. Okay. Um, and, and it was interesting because at the time, most uh, Irish writers poo-pooed TV. You know, they right. were they were interested a little bit in film. Film was kind of just beginning, like Paddy Brantnock was kind of doing stuff and things like that. But mm. mainly it was theatre. They all were interested in being in the theatre. Mm-hmm. Okay. And television was very second rate. So it wasn't the golden age back then? No, certainly no. wasn't. But it was an interesting, really interesting time to be in BBC Northern Ireland mm. because... Um, it was hugely successful with a tiny little team was Robert Cooper and um, he I suppose that's how where I learned really how to how to develop and how right. to sort of find talent yeah and say so all through that period like could you explain kind of the process of writing reports and uh, yeah. <laughs> coverage what yeah, you're doing coverage, Co- yeah. I suppose what you're doing in coverage is you're looking it's um 
you know, everybody wants the next hot thing yeah. and the next new person. So yeah. uh, you're never going to get a project that's coming in well formed, really. Yeah. And r- realistically, the hit rate in a slush pile is about one in a hundred, okay. if even. Yeah. And that's probably not that you're necessarily picking up a project, but you're picking up a talent, a writer. Mm. So you're looking for voices. You're right. looking for people with authentic and original voices and that never changes. You know, yeah. that's 20 years I've been doing it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so something who's something lively on the page, yeah. a kind of a unique perspe- perspective on the world yeah. and who has, uh, you know, facility with storytelling or with characterization or in, with dialogue. Yeah tone maybe mm-hmm. um, and so in coverage what you're trying to do is you're writing it for an exec or a um, producer so I mean, when I got to BBC I wouldn't have been doing I would have yeah. been you know I would have had readers yeah. but what you're looking for in a script in the reports is that somebody is presenting it as it is not as they see it potentially right. but giving you insight on what is good and bad so you have to be optimistic if you're if you're if you can't see potential, you can't really work in development. Okay. Because you have to pick out what the good things are and try and see that there's ways to build them, yeah. rather than it's easy to know what's wrong with things. Yeah. You know, you got you gotta have faith, kind of in there's something yeah. in would, this. Would you be looking more for someone who can problem solve? Or more from uh, like a grassroots kind of raw talent. No, you're looking for raw talent. You want yeah, to yeah. get the talent, and you actually want it. You want, you want it. Uh, you want raw right now. You want, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> you want, you want talent. I mean, obviously, you don't want it too raw because you, you know, there, there's a certain amount of work that a writer needs to do themselves before you come on board. Mm. But um, you're not looking for the project alone because it's a long term thing so you mm-hmm. might want a project but you're hoping they're going to build to to do more projects and you know bigger ones yeah. as they go maybe bring us up then for to so, yeah so when I in BBC I actually brought Pierce Elliott I did his first piece on TV for BBC 2 and I was working on other projects and then I left BBC and I was going to produce a feature with Pierce, uh, okay. uh, and we couldn't get it off the ground. It was okay. a dram that was really tough. Okay. And at the same time, um, Claire Dignan in the IPU and RTE asked me to come in and look after their drama. They didn't have anybody doing drama, and they were going to appoint a commissioning editor. Okay. So I went in in a kind of freelance capacity okay. and found myself there 13 years later. Okay. So never planning to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was quite interesting because in the first few years, um, I did things like No Tears and Paths to Freedom mm. and um, Love's a Drug and Anytime Now and Foreign Exchange. So I did quite a lot of yeah. a range of projects in yeah. different kind of different uh, genre yeah. and different um, for different audiences. Yeah. And, you know, and the fun ones were the ones that you picked up kind of under the radar, like yeah. the Path to Freedom yeah. and that kind of one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it stopped being fun when the money really disappeared. Yeah. And it was very hard to, you know, we're saying no to projects, not because they didn't have potential or you didn't like them, yeah. but because you had no budget. Right. I guess the answer to that was the uh, the Storyland initiative. Yeah, really. that was that was um, that actually came about. It was Jane Gogan, who's commissioning editor there, 
who wanted to do something online. She wanted to get into the online space and she asked me to come up with something for it. And I was more interested in um, developing writers to think and producers and directors to think episodically because you get a lot of people who are thinking plot wise and what they're doing is they're breaking up narrative into episodes which isn't episodic writing (laughs) and so uh, what you're trying to do for for a sort of series is give the same viewing experience to audience and so uh, Storyland in the way it was designed which it was a kind of it was to it was to open the doors and say to people you know come on in right and you know those rt2 series slots had gone there was very mm-hmm. it was very hard to break somebody yeah. new yeah. so it was like come on in and um you know you get a chance to show us what you can do yeah. but you have to think about the audience because if they don't Mm-hmm. want to see any more you're not going to get to make another episode yeah, so that yeah. was kind of our webisode um, and it was very tough you know for the people who had to do it because the turnaround time was tough it was tight yeah and but i i think i think for writers it's the same for directors it's it's a muscle you know if you don't get to use it you lose it and if you don't get to see your work on screen or see other people see your work it's very hard to develop yeah. You know, it's very yeah. hard to become a better writer or to see what you do well and what maybe you could do better and to even see what a performer can bring to a script or to a character that you hadn't noticed. You kind of you need to you need to see your work made. Yeah. To 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 sort of get that yeah. sort of feedback and opportunity to move on. So that's really what Storyland was started yeah. as. Yeah. And since I left RTE, which is six years ago, it's changed and yeah. evolved and is, is is a different kind of piece now yeah but um but yeah that's how it started yeah i think it needed to change you know as well yeah. well the landscape is different too course, you know yeah. i mean yeah. when, when we started doing it you know people were still thought there would be ways of kind of monetizing online content and that's still yeah is kind it's, of yeah. you know it's it's and the web series was this kind of burgeoning new format yeah at the time yeah I think how do you are you still do you still see web series as kind of a viable I do yeah, yeah. I think I think they're a great thing to do because yeah. um I actually think more so now than right. then because um you know I, I the way we watch has changed so radically mm-hmm. like when I started in TV well, actually, even as a kid, we had one channel. You turned on the TV and you just watched whatever was there. Yeah. You know, and when I started in TV, you know, there was sort of eight channels maybe. And <coughs> and so you had, you knew there was a certain amount of audience that came to mm. your channel and then you could show them whatever. Now it's about how do you, how do you get to the eyeballs? How do you punch through yeah. to audience? And what's great about web series is it is you know you can send it around people can send it around they can you're not struck you're not stuck to a schedule people can watch at any time you can they can be any durations you 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 know you can find your audience with the web series and that can lead you on to like a netflix commission or something Absolutely. you know and even harken back to what you were saying about flexing that muscle yeah you know, there's no such thing as a small piece of work you know no and it you know it gives people an opportunity to work yeah, well, you know, people are, you know, um, Facebook and um, Google and, are, you know, they're commissioning now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there there are more 
Uh, and other opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had um, Owen Coggan on from yeah. uh, Hardy Books. So that yeah. would have been one of your successes yeah. there yeah. that came out. Of, like, What did you see there? Well, it wasn't harsh, you know. Yeah. I mean, they were just. It was very authentic yeah. and very, very funny. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. I mean, it's. It was clear they were. You know, I know that world as well because yeah. I'm from not very far from where they're Sorry, from. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but it was. You know, they had. They just had. You know, the characters, the character types. Um. I mean, they were influenced by Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. And you know, you can see that. And ironically, an American producer who was Mexican actually tried to option to to remake it they didn't do it but so it was like going back again to where it came from yeah it was just great set of characters in a world that people hadn't really seen on screen and it was really brilliant yeah i mean there was there you know i heard owen's interview and and yeah yeah, you know the kind of the issues and sort of having to take the notes and all the rest of it um and that was hard (laughs) for them gets back yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) well that's you know i've turned up in many series you know as the the censor who won't let you say whatever but um yeah i mean it's it's uh you know on online you're talking about you know three to five to seven minutes yeah. When you go into a sort of half hour, it's a completely different beast. And, you know, anybody who works in television, mm-hmm. you're looking at the ratings and you're looking at it minute by minute. Yeah. And if you see your core demographic is leaving, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah. So you've got to make sure that you're a hit in your core demographic or you mm-hmm. will not be getting the next se- series. Right. So it, part of that is, you know, how you entertain audience, how you deliver the hooks to keep them interested how you tease them mm-hmm. how you satisfy them and entertain them yeah and and that's story you know that's structure and you can't you can't just kind of let it roll and we're all having great crack and hope that it translates yeah. because mm-hmm. it won't necessarily you know so i mean with with the guys they you know i they were made to go to script Right. But then they wouldn't really learn them anyway, so <laughs> they would end up improvising, and yeah. they got better at it. And they, ma- they, you know, they were very clear about who they were and what they were doing, and they retained that. Yeah. And um, you know, that they had all of that developed before I ever met them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were already doing it. Yeah. So really, it was just about the duration and the shape and whatever. Yeah. And I, I worked on their feature as well. Okay. okay. And I had finished RT at that stage. Okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so you know, we did get on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have to get on, you know, yeah. and you have yeah. to, yeah. you have to like what people are doing. If yeah. you don't, you're going to kill it, yeah. you know, and especially, you know, I'm, I'm older than they are and I'm female and I'm not really their key audience. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be careful that you're not, uh, you know, you just, it's your taste. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is the problem yeah. rather mm. than what somebody is doing? Yeah. And um, yeah, but yeah. Nine, out, nine out of ten times, everything benefits from some discipline. And you know, yeah, I mean, it, and it's also you're being challenged, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, you know, so you know, they they were being challenged to kind of think harder and try again and do it again. You know, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, it was they did it on a shoestring as well. I yeah. mean, they, yeah. you know, the the sort of resources they had were you know small yeah 
Uh, I was a huge fan of Pasta Freedom yeah, as well. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Were there any other highlights from, say, for you? No, I think I think Pasta Freedom was really unique because mm. it, um, Michael McElhatton and Ian Fitzgibbon, who co-wrote it, they used to come in and they would perform it all. So like our script meetings was them, because yeah. Ian's an actor as well. Right. So it was them acting everything out and it was yeah. just... You know, you knew if you were falling around, yeah. it was, you know, yeah. really, really funny. And yeah. they were just were. And they did something that, you know, I mean, it still stands up. I suppose that's what's great about it. Yeah. I worked on their feature as well, the Spin the Bottle spin one. The bottle yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were just, yeah, they, they were probably, I think that was probably the most fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had, yeah. Cool. That was really good. And what are you working on at the moment? Well, I'm now producing stuff, actually. Yeah. So I'm producing a feature doc with Snackbox. And I have, I'm producing um, a Frameworks uh, animated short. Cool. And um, I have a few I have a few sitcoms and a Fact End series in development. So I'm looking for TV drama ideas. Great. And so if there's any writers out there who have some ideas, you can get me on ailishcount at gmail.com. Great. Oh, um, yeah, so that's and, it. Um, yeah, and but I'm teaching as well. I teach too. In and I do uh, in. I'm teaching in the National Film School. Amazing. Cool. I on the MA course. I've devised a module which is TV writing. Yeah, because um, yeah, that's how we know we, I did a course. Yeah, with you. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously it was all right because I'm here. No, yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, it was great because you were able to bring. You weren't teaching right. It wasn't about you know from a, it wasn't from a writer's point of view. It was uh -huh. from commissioner's point of view yeah. which was uh, invaluable really um, so yeah what, how do you see the state of TV really exciting yeah so it's really exciting but it is really exciting and I mean I think TV is changing radically it's changed in the time I've worked on, on, in TV a lot but it's at the moment it's in a huge change and I would say, um, you know, in another year or two, I don't think anybody will be watching terrestrial television, really. Yeah. Um, which is terrible and great. Right. And it'll just have to adapt. I do think there's a bit, a bit of a turf warfare over on the in the big sort of people, and that's mm -hmm. leading to a huge amount of commissioning at the moment. I mean, the stuff is so great; it's very hard to keep up with it. Yeah. You know, like uh, the problem now isn't. There's nothing on. It's, there's so much Lots there. Lots to watch. Yeah, yeah, but it's not on the terrestrials, yeah. you know, and it's on all the streamers. And yeah. it's there's so much to watch. How do you keep up with it? And the form is changing so rapidly. Yeah, and most people I know, you know, they don't have boxes anymore. It, it, it's all done through kind of Netflix, and then if there's something they want to watch, a lot of people I know, mm. they'll because they can access the player through their yeah. televisions and yeah. stuff and they'll just watch something that yeah. way. Yeah, I know. And it's it's um and it's all about content. Yeah. You know, I mean people are spending <coughs> and investing money in platforms and you know, it's not about the delivery, it's about having the content. Mm. You'll find a delivery mechanism. Yeah. You know, it's really about I mean I think it's interesting. I always ask classes, you know, you know, why what would attract them to watching something mm. and um, it being Irish content was always up in kind of number two or three okay. and now it's down at five or six really I think because we're so used to you know what you know th seeing things years ago like bachelor's walk and stuff mm. like that on screen was really um, exciting they were like they kind of were definers for generations who kind of would have been teens or early yeah. 20s at the time because yeah. it was themselves on screen yeah 
we're yeah. kind of used to seeing ourselves you know we're used to we're used to seeing people like Killian Murphy and mm. Peaky Blinders or, or I just think we've become maybe a little bit more international in our focus yeah maybe that social media has a part to play there as mm. well and that we're, like we're seeing you know there's all different types of ways of putting yourself out there yeah not just your your people are seeing themselves reflected back through Instagram and so maybe that that thing yeah that thing that you're talking about that I remember mm. from watching Irish stuff mm. that kind of special feeling of, mm. oh yeah that's me mm. yeah it's maybe it's not as important to viewers anymore yeah or certainly like to under 25s you right. kind of go and do they really maybe if it disappeared yeah. they would notice it yeah. but I don't know how aware they are now right. I mean they, they I mean again a few years ago if I said to somebody in their early 20s do you watch TV they'd say no and then they start listing all sorts of things that were TV that they did watch. They just didn't watch it on TV. Yeah, now yeah, they will yeah. say, yes, they do watch TV because their understanding of it is different. Okay. So I don't know. But it's um, I think that it's a very exciting time to be in TV drama. Um, I do think that it's, the bubble will possibly burst in maybe three years or so. Okay. Um, I think there is an appetite for comedy right. and comedy drama as well. Yeah. So and, and and the kind of like in drama now on TV, you know, the kind of formulaic story of the week kind of pieces are completely gone. Mm. The kind of anything that is safe is gone. So your central character, even the renewable ones, they have to be completely on the edge. Right. You know, you're looking for characters who could, you know, really do something very extreme. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Walter White. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think the kind of you know the stuff that we kind of see on RTE and stuff just doesn't hack it. Right. Yeah, I think the appetite has changed because people, you know, we see everything because everything yeah. is so immediate now yeah. through social media. Yeah. People want to see content that in some way matches their expectations of what they experience, as yeah. opposed to the way it used to be, yeah. where everything was covered up to a degree. You know? yeah. So um, it's more explosive. They're looking for more explosive content. Yeah. So if you so we have writers out there who are thinking, okay, I have mm-hmm. an idea for a TV. Mm-hmm. It's the tips um, portion of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, <coughs> so what advice would you give them? What should they be doing? Um, if they have an idea and they haven't, they aren't produced as a writer. They're yeah. going to have to write a spec script. Okay. Um, and then they need to network. Yeah. And um, you know, get to know the producers or the development execs or the people who answer the phone yeah. in the independent production companies. They also should... They, they, one of the things they should do very early on is identify who their audience is, who their target demographic is, where the series is going to play. Is it, you know, is it E4? Is it BBC2? Is it RTE? Is it Netflix? Who's it for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that defines what your series is or what your idea is, how you write it, and even things like durations right. and budget levels, even yeah. though that's not a consideration for a writer. Yeah. They just need to get their idea and they need an original voice and something to say. Yeah. And um they need to be interesting. It needs to be interesting. Okay. And is there anything, say, on this side of the Atlantic that you've been particularly impressed by in the last few years? Uh, well, may I just love Peaky Blinders. Right. I have to say, I just love it. Yeah, yeah. And I, the more I look at it, the more I'm the, the, the kind of the cr- writing craft of Stephen Knight is just phenomenal right it really is there's like there's hardly a line you could take out of those scripts yeah it's just and he just 
you know, uh, Tom Shelby is an amazing character brought to life by Killian Murphy and they, he's, it's brilliance. Yeah. But also the other supporting characters are really, really good as well. Yeah. And a lot of them couldn't even step into a kind of central character role. Yeah. So it's just it's very it's got great complexity to it. Okay. And um, it's a rocking, yeah. entertaining <laughs> show. Yeah. And I yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 And Anderton say from Irish drama, I think. No, I ha- well, I mean, yeah. there hasn't been a whole lot. There hasn't been. A there lot, hasn't yeah. been a- oh, the other thing I absolutely love is End of the Effing World. Oh, oh that new yeah, show, yeah, yeah. Netflix, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That. Oh, highly recommended. It's really brilliant. A little bit twee at the end of the yeah. first series, but it is brilliant. Okay. Yeah, and really stylish. Yeah, and very authentic, sort of interesting new voice. It's great. Mm-hmm.